Welcome to the Concept 101 podcast. My name is Daniel, Stefan, and Jules. We are three concept artists currently working in the film and games industry, as well as the organizers of the Concept 101 event in London. Before we start, we also have to thank the current sponsors of the Concept 101 2023 event. So a big thank you to Sharp Mob, Chromatic Studios, Adam Hawk, Framestore, Moon Colony, Foster and Partners, Mood Visuals, Rare, Brainbug, Playground Games, Learn Squared, Artward, Focal Point School, Wacom, Mathematics Studios, and Shark Corner. Um, so how are you guys? Good. How are you doing, man? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. 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 Nice. It's like you know, it's, it's 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 always good to meet and and chat in a civilized way with you guys. Yeah. Not civilized about what we do. No. 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 Yeah. We, we we can see it, but we each have a gun on each other. <laughs> this so is we, like a. It's, it's, a, it's a Mexican standoff over here. <laughs> <laughs> All the way. He's like, whose well, topic is gonna be first today? <laughs> I speak <laughs> next, <laughs> not you. <laughs> um and starting off for the first time ever it's going to be Jules so what's your what's your topic that you want us to kind of talk about for a bit today um I think my lately uh there's I don't know why but I've been fi- finding quite hard to motivate myself to do personal work especially because most I feel like everything has already been done and a lot of the the ideas are very classic and I don't want to do something that's been already done many times and I find it quite hard to just create something unique and you know just getting something in front of people that hasn't been done before mm. because i don't want to spend my energy doing another military guys shooting at a monster or something i i, I want to try and do something new you know and sure. so what i want to talk about is how do you guys find subjects how do you make yourself creative uh, how do you get to create personal work that is outside of the the noise i guess on our station Mm. and how to you know if how to make that if someone looks at your artwork they're like oh wow Mm. it's that thing yeah and they're not going to forget about it and like even if they don't know your name they're going to be oh yeah is the artwork with hopefully it just describes in two words you know the red dragon and hopefully it's original enough that there's only one artwork that fits into the description so what do you think to start off with about that you know there's that common turn of phrase like nothing's original yeah, I mean, so how how do you how does that fit into your kind of view on all of this? Um, well, yeah, nothing is original, maybe, but I guess there's a. It's not black or white. It's totally like a scale of gray, or uh, you know. <laughs> and so you you can you can do oh I'm going to do a dragon, that's it, a dragon, you know, or yeah. I'm going to do and then just a very long description of something which is very weird maybe even too weird too original mm, mm. or maybe you can say i'm going to do something which just hasn't been done yeah uh yeah. It, it is funny you're saying um stuff that's too original because one of the big problems with concept art sometimes especially with like younger students is that they'll say like i'm gonna make something that's so original and you're like mm. that's cool i don't know why this student had a very deep voice there when i was going, <laughs> yeah this is sick. Yeah, usually it's like usually you use, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's the voice i'm gonna do something that's very original um, it's my Mickey Mouse voice. Yeah. Anyway, um, and the problem is that then you know they're like, I'm going to design the most original car ever, mm. and um, then they design something that looks like a banana. And yeah. They're like, well, that <laughs> that doesn't look like a car. Yeah. You know. So there is definitely that thing of like, no matter how unique you're trying to push things, you always have to frame it within a existing kind of frame of reference. Essentially. Yeah. yeah there's like boundaries to mm. what a thing can be. Yeah, I would say sometimes it's. Um, yeah, it can be to your own detriment to try to create something that's too unique, too new. 
especially when you are at the beginning of your concept art journey, mm. where you still need to practice design skills. You know, if you don't know how to design a pretty window, you should probably shouldn't be trying to design a cool ass. A mech dragon thing, you know, when yeah, you haven't yeah. even learned how to design like a basic architectural piece. I think, uh, like, learn how to break down things into like smaller pieces and understand them, and mm-hmm. then use that shape language to design yeah. something new. I yeah, I think it's interesting because yeah, there's nothing wrong, especially well, really any stage in your career at going with a simple subject matter that has been done before. You mm-hmm. can always just be like, okay, I'm gonna either try to match the quality standard here or I'm going to try and make something that's like 1% better. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with yeah. that. Especially because that can be a really good tool to learn and then use it as like a jumping off point yeah, totally. uh, to make something like that actually is unique. But yeah, I mean, in terms of like going, I guess, back to the main question, I always think that it's uh, the most memorable stuff or the most like quote unquote unique stuff, whether or not you think anything's unique or whatever, it's usually just like a an expression of someone's personality. Mm. I think that's where you always get the best stuff is like when people really try to think deeply about like what it is that they enjoy and what it is that they like and the artists they like and they synthesize something new from all of that rather than I guess like feeling the institutional pressure to make like mm. a certain thing. Like you were saying, like a red dragon. I mean, how yeah. many, there's a billion different pieces of art on the internet of red dragons flying around. But I have no doubt that there's probably artists out there who are super passionate about red dragons. Oh yeah, and, and, and oh yeah, and they're yeah. do something amazing, right? I've, yeah, yeah. I have nothing against red dragons. No, I'm not but saying that. But I'm just saying yeah. as an example. Yeah, it's totally. in, it's like. I think as long as somebody has the passion mm-hmm. to pursue something in an interesting way, and usually that does come with the passion, right? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of when you start to make you more unique stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like passionate people are interesting to listen about, hmm. uh, to listen to, sorry. No matter how, like as soon as they're passionate about something, when you talk about it, it really interests yourself as well because yeah. it's, they're just into it. Um, but yeah, I guess this feeling comes also maybe because of being uh, working in industry. Hmm. Um, and I guess I'm in a job which I I really enjoy at the moment. I don't really feel like changing or anything like this. And so it's like, if I do take the time to do personal work, it's not going to, it's not really too much for portfolio reasons. It's not really too much for um, work reasons. It's more Mm. just for my own fun. So it's like this, you know, I could be, Spending time with you guys, or I could be my girlfriend, or I couldn't be I like or whatever. Came, I like how we came first. <laughs> <laughs> Spending time with uh, you guys, maybe my girlfriend if I have time. <laughs> no, but I could do, do, be doing other stuff. And it's like when I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend, you know, because it takes at least a day, I guess, to make a good concept art hmm. for portfolio, maybe more if I really want to do something original, I guess. So it's like how much, what is worth the time of doing so much work? And yeah, I guess that's been the. The, the thing which uh, is a bit hard to to know. Mm. I think uh, it's kind of that thing of like you want to use all of your time pro- productively, but mm. at the same time, I think to make something unique, you usually burn a lot of time making ununique and very boring stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's like with the promotional piece that I did for our contest this year. I think that's a fairly unique like spaceship design. It's very strange, mm. right? But in between getting to there and the start there was a lot of just very generic, boring stuff where I like, I was like, this is a sick idea. And I'd sketch it and then I'd build it up in 3D or something and then I'd light it and they'd be like, oh no, this is boring actually. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I wouldn't have, I, I think it's very difficult to, like you were saying, like if you have a day to commit to something, it can be very, very hard to just go straight to like 
whoa, that's interesting yeah, and unique totally. and cool. Like you have to usually burn through all the generic mm-hmm. boring stuff. Even just another project, like um, there's that uh, snowball, the dog with the tentacles, oh, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. white dog with the tentacles coming out of its face. Like, I think that's also like a fairly unique design. Like it's, I think judging from the reaction of some of the people who saw mm-hmm. it, like it, they were like, oh, this is like cool. I haven't seen something like this before. Mm-hmm. But I did some really, 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 really boring generic mm-hmm. Yeti designs prior to that. And they were very boring comps and keyframes. And it actually, yeah, it took a, it took going through all of the boring stuff to get to the interesting yeah. stuff. So I think in a way, part of what can force you to make something unique is to, is that, is that thing of like, you know, uh, if you write down a hundred ideas, one of them will be good. Yeah, yeah. So totally pushing true. through those ninety-nine to get to that one, I think, mm-hmm. is often the way that, at least for me, I end up with like more unique stuff that fits my personality mm-hmm. better. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I find I find the first advice that you gave as well quite good, with like your interests, um, even with personal projects. So when, um, go like when I did uh, the, I think I forgot what's the name of it the. The, for the Ricardo Lima's course, the keyframe project, and I, uh, it was it was you know it was like a piece that was protesting against the war and like the you know the big propaganda that happens uh, in those areas, uh, and a uh, little bit of the experience that I had when I lived uh, in post-Soviet era countries mm-hmm. when I was younger. And that was something that I chose because I was trying, to, I was struggling to be like, oh, what should I do my project about? And the first thing that came in my mind was like, oh, probably a Japanese, you know, like about Japan. And I was talking about it with my friend. He's like, yeah, man, but you know, you're not Japanese, so like, you're not gonna make it like authentic. Um, and yeah, it was it was so much easier when I when I started to think about the project and taking from the memories that I had and. Not necessarily that I was passionate about it, but I, I but I had very good memory. Like yes. I had some great memories about that time and like remembering these things. It, it kind of fuels your creativity, I yeah. guess. Yeah. yeah. Is that whole thing of uh, that writing theory of write what you know? You know, mm. you take things from your real life and you implement them back into your art, essentially, mm-hmm. um, which I think is super valuable. I think maybe the caveat to that is it doesn't always have to be something that you know but it has to at least be something that you're genuinely interested in like you know for me fantasy work is not super uh interesting to me i mean i like fantasy work you know and i I appreciate it as well when other people make it but for me sci-fi stuff is considerably more interesting and i think when i've done fantasy work in the past i kind of look at it i'm like huh is this is this what like a piece of art by Daniel McGarry looks like? You know, you kind of have that like internalized feeling of Mm. like, um, it's almost like weird imposter syndrome where you're like, this is wrong. (laughs) Um, Not not to say that I, you know, I can't make stuff like that, but it just doesn't feel genuine to my personality at this moment in time. Especially with personal work. Like that's the one time in in the artist's careers where you're like, you do what the fuck you want. So why do something you don't want, right? So, it, yeah, it's really interesting if you're talking about like personal work as well. Like if you look at like someone like um, uh, Ralph McQuarrie, you know, Ralph McQuarrie spent his whole career painting Star Wars stuff. Mm. But if you buy some of his books, uh, you know, which have like collections of his work, they have his personal work in the background, and they're like wildly different. You know, they're incredibly like brightly colored, mm. almost mm. like abstract paintings, yeah. and it's like it's interesting to see 
you know, that clearly for somebody like Ralph McQuarrie, who you'll, you know, like pretty much everybody in the industry respects immensely. And he's like one of the best of all time, mm-hmm. right? Even he had a totally different rendition probably in his head of what a Ralph McQuarrie piece of art yeah, looked like, yeah. which changed as he grew and got older and stuff. And uh, totally. And I guess going back to getting a lot of inspiration and, and kind of fueling your creativity, that's also what why it's important to just be very curious, I guess, travel, all that kind of stuff. Just have kind of diversify, diverse, diversifying. Diversify. Yes. Yeah. English. <laughs> your, your point of interest, just to, you know, get, I mean, most of the ideas I, I have sometimes, I just refer to when I went on holiday somewhere mm. and I just see this cool stuff and I'm like, oh, I'm going to take a picture of it. And then it kind of fuels the creativity. Maybe and just going to a museum, yeah, yeah. reading Or just a new speaking book. with people, listening to yeah. stories. Uh, usually it's like, whatever like if i don't have any idea i just try to learn about stuff i don't know and then it kind of feels which brings me to the question is like what are the usual tips to make something creative for example or like to make something unique or to make a piece to give that your image the oomph factor something i I like to say is maybe having it easily descriptable describable oh i'm struggling with english today just say it in french it's fine so you're able to describe it easily yeah um (laughs) <laughs> yeah, man. Very, very weird French, French from the UK. No, but so the so it's like if you can make it that if I refer to uh, some like your your demon piece, for example, with mm. the baby, it's like the demon baby in the, like the demon baby kind of thing. Yeah, that's very easily way to describe your this piece you did. Or if I go to the your crocodile thing, the crocodile insect. That's two words, and it describes it, and people remember mm-hmm, about it. Mm-hmm. And it, I think if you, I mean, I hope they do. <laughs> so if, if you find this idea which which stays in the head or which has something that hasn't been done before, that's yeah. where you, you can really be creative. I think one big thing for being creative and being unique is trying not to be too incestuous with the references that you build mm. up. So that's a big thing that I know, I think it was Miyazaki. I mean, he complains about everything, right? But <laughs> I think there was some interview that he did many years ago where he was talking about how he doesn't enjoy anime because the life that a lot of people who make anime experience is via anime they don't go out and experience things they're just like you know neeks who stay indoors Mm. and that's their life experience so then when they go on to make manga or anime it's based on the life of someone who's only read about life through manga Mm. and anime Mm. and in the same way you know, it's very important to, when you're building reference boards, I always say this to students who I work with, like maybe have one piece of concept art in there at the most. Because if you just have a concept art board that's filled with concept art and not with real world references and real world architecture and things that people have actually built, then you're just making like a poor man's imitation of someone else's artwork rather than building something unique out of real world stuff, essentially. And I think that's really important because, you know, even with that thing of like, uh, you know, just go back to red dragons, probably one of the big problems with that or that almost like those like big subject matters that people hit in mm-hmm. in the industry where, you know, like everybody has a painting of a dragon in their portfolio or whatever, is a lot of people's references for dragons or other people's yeah. paintings yeah. of dragons, yeah, totally. right? Rather than like, if you go look at like Terrell Whitlatch, who's, you know, an amazing creature designer and she did all the creatures for Star Wars you know you can look at the notation of like what animals she was putting together mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. thinking about like the physiology and like oh well this kind of animal will probably need this so i'm going to put this different like form onto it to make it m- more realistic and more unique um and so i think that's 
very, very, very important to think about when you're creating something. Um, it's just like, yeah, what can you pull into this that hasn't essentially been done before in our industry? Yeah. And, and I think referencing is almost is such an important part of creating a project, what you just described, because if you have the wrong reference or if you don't think you're a friend, I, I, I've seen some people, they just have a huge board of 100 reference, but they don't, they cannot explain why they chose each, each reference. Yeah. And it's just, oh, I, it's cool. So I just have it here. Yeah. Like, I think it's very important to have, you, you can talk through each of the image you have and tell yeah. you what you like about it, why it's here. And if there's like twice the same image or something that is twice the same, get rid of it. And then you have a very good synthesis of what you like and why you like it. I always say it should just be like 10, mm. 10 key images. You can have more, yeah. you can have more images added mm -hmm. on afterwards. But if you have 10 core images that like when people look at them, that should explain your project. Yeah. I mean, it's good. Sometimes I recently did something uh, work where we had to do very difficult design and it had to be really unique and had to be um, kind of something that has never been done before mm -hmm. and it was quite a difficult task and it was two of us working on it at the same time for two weeks and uh, just doing sketches ideas and it actually helped to have like a huge ass library of photos and you just kind of like look through them in mm -hmm. the morning and try to see an inspiration and pull together a few but we did have like a very specific art direction for it which is like okay this artist plus this artist and then plus like this real world you know, textures and things that happen in nature, right? And then go on and kind of like keep this in mind, but like look for more references and find your own inspiration. And one thing that I found that helps really is when you're trying to figure out a unique design is to do two things. First, sketch. Uh, and second, also do something that looks kind of finished, like mm -hmm. kind of finished designs, right? And yes, it takes time. And, you know, depending on how much time you have with this project, it might be difficult to do like two or three finished pieces and then be like, this sucks. But yeah, it's good to have a collection of sketches and finished things, maybe even, uh, you know, finished looking, just so you can assess like how good the idea is mm -hmm. and then go back to sketching and then go back to doing like finished looking thing. And that's why you can kind of bounce back until you are seeing something that's quite unique. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that one, uh, you know, other thing in terms of references as well, that can be super important. Are you saying like scrolling through loads of images and to get some inspiration is just understanding that although there is that phrase where people are like, everything's based on something, there's nothing original. There are actually quite a lot of new things being built every day. You know, yeah, and I mean also new... ideas, right? What? You, you can have an original idea based on pre-existing stuff. It's like how you mix existing things to make a new idea. Yeah, yeah, but even on that, there are new things that are just yeah. being built every day. I mean, like bio-organic architecture mm. is like something that has only existed for like 10 years. I haven't seen that many projects about that. Or like, you know, if, you, if you're curious and you involve yourself in like new methods of technology, like new things that have been discovered... Um, you know, like, for example, every so often they find some new sea creature at the bottom of the mm, seafloor, yeah. right? Well, there's some, there's a new reference that no one has ever used before. Mm. <laughs> um, so I think if you kind of remain reticent of like what's happening in the world around you, although, you know, people are always like, everything's based on nature, everything's built like that. Well, sometimes it's not, you know, there are amazing new things that are pioneered every single day, even just down to like getting cool new ideas because someone's like, uh, you know, it's like if you look in the news lately, they're getting 
surprisingly close to cracking like cold fusion you know mm-hmm. like every week that gets closer and it's just like when i think about that i'm thinking about like okay what are the design possibilities that could come from cold fusion being mm. a real thing like mm. how would the world change how can you imagine the world changing because not, of that no no money for electricity yeah free electricity yeah. for everyone <laughs> well, hopefully but yeah and it's like even if you're thinking about like you know let, let's look at um steampunk was a thing in off in like the 2000s right and then what built out of steampunk because of the creation of like clean mm. technology was solar punk which is a whole new genre of design and art mm-hmm. and thinking which is you know like quite utopian and nice actually yep. so i think yeah like i'm saying just being aware of what's going on in the world around you can be the best resource to discover new things and to create new ideas reading books as well mm-hmm. oh, i can't read no L- listening to books i listen yeah. to them and then, and then i tell people oh you know i read this book and you're like you read it or you listen to it i'm like yeah. oh, i listen to it <laughs> and they're like Fool. <laughs> the, the, the biggest book I read was Dune recently. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, and I'm I'm reading another one. I read like 200 or 200 odd pages of it, but I read so slow. And I like to read massive books. Like the bigger the book, the more I'm like, yes, give it to me. <laughs> Just like the gym, the bigger the weight, the, yeah. the bigger the book. <laughs> the, bigger the, the bigger the book and the bigger the words inside, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's tiny. No, it's, man, it's, it's only tiny, it's tiny, tiny words, uh, man. Yeah. It's just massive book. It's, it's like only, it's only page. really ten pages <laughs> when you shrink the page. Yeah. Nah, one on, one word per page yeah. with like tiny with like drawings. Oh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you reading that, Stefan? June. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like uh, also documentaries. I recently I'm gonna be I'm gonna go a bit off shoot, but recently I watched a documentary about the conquest of deep sea and mm. also how they got to mine the, f- the fossil fuels in the deep sea. Yeah, and basically, at first they built house homes below the sea right where yeah. people would stay there and live there yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's funny because if you breathe oxygen you become crazy and you just die yeah. but if you breathe helium it's fine you don't you don't I mean, you don't become crazy but you become drunk essentially uh, but if you breathe helium it's fine so people that used to live in these houses would breathe helium and so they would all speak with voices like this all the time for all their life i mean for all the time they were in the in the houses <laughs> And then with the years, they kind of figured out that having a house, a house below the sea wasn't a good idea. So they just now, they have, so if you go to the petrol station in the sea or whatever it's called, they have these houses which are below, uh, above the sea, which are fully closed, hmm. filled with helium. You have people that stay in there because they are under pressure. And then they just go to work by taking some sort of lift to go below the sea, minus 500 meters, whatever. They work there, they, breathe, they continue to breathe helium. They go back up, back to their small closed houses with helium, and they just live like this for like a few um, weeks. And then they have to wait to decompress, and then they can go out. But uh, I thought it was crazy. And this is the kind of stuff that you just listen to in a... In a I mean, it sounds like some weird sci-fi yeah, film. Yeah, but it just yeah. happens here. And it's like, I can't believe that what some people... What is this? People, Are they it's, it's, it's just, mining underwater? Yeah, so, it, and, and, so basically all these uh, fo- fossil fuel thing in the sea... They need maintenance, right? Yeah. And I mean, now also it's much less because they have submarines and drones. But back in the day, and maybe still now, you need some people that are able to go below the sea. So divers. And yeah. if you want to go minus 500 meters, Which it, is a lot. It, would, it would take you basically like many, many, many days to decompress. So that means that the swimmers will have to stay <laughs> in the water to go back up for like, like a week or maybe two. Yeah. So now what they do is that they just... They live in yeah, a compressed yeah. house already. Yeah, that makes sense. They yeah. dive down, yeah, yeah, yeah. they go back up. So everything is yeah. at the pressure that they need to below yeah, yeah. sea. And then in the house, they slowly decompress and they leave. And then there's a, there's a shift. 
Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's you would, you would go it's crazy if you crazy. had to live there for a long. And it's even funnier that first they just put the houses in the sea. There's like uh, the French, for example, they did so many research on that, and also the Americans and all that, and Swiss as well, apparently. And uh, yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, can I do my one then? Yeah, yeah. Can that I was my, my little. Am I allowed my one now? Water thing. <laughs> I hope you feel more unique and creative, Jules. <laughs> I have. I mean, every time I look at your work now, I'm just like, oh, so generic. Yeah. yeah. So generic. But now I'm sure you'll be making ten out of ten stuff. Yeah. You, you fueled my creativity. Thank you. Yeah. One last thing. Oh god. Okay. Just <laughs> Google your idea if it's or if you see that it's filled on a tourist station. Maybe yeah. you can do it. Yeah, that's true. I try to Google it. If I see that no one did it, I'm like, okay, is it is did no one did it because it's a bad idea or is it because it's an original idea? And yeah. if it's original idea, do it. And I will say. Because I've done this once with a project. Mm -hmm. If you are going to use other people's work as inspiration, then just credit them. I did a mech project where, like, I designed this whole mech. I think the actual design of the mech was very fairly unique. But when it came to figuring out the keyframe for it, I like lost it, and I spent like four weeks moving my 3D model around, like trying to think of this comp. And then I saw an image by Ben Mauro, and I was like, oh fuck, I'm just doing that. So I just <laughs> like functionally. I, I actually, do you, do you want to know how close it is? But if I, I you, know which one it is. Yeah, yeah, but it's so close that if you look on like training data websites for AI, right? If you if you put my image in, it comes up with his image, and oh, vice wow. versa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how bad I copied his keyframe. But there you go. Well, you credited it. Yeah, I credited it, and I, I, I think at least the design was unique enough that it's not, you mm. know, like I'm not totally ripping it off. I mean, worst case scenario, I can always just remove the keyframe, and the design can still stand on its own two legs. Or four legs in this case. Anyway. <laughs> Your idea now. Yeah. Ooh, what is um, it? So I wanted to talk about just like new programs because I've been using Plasticity recently, which is a new, really cool piece of CAD software. Um, and I just wanted to talk about that for a little bit. So pretty much, um, I'm sure you guys know, like most of the programs that we use. So if you're using like Blender, uh, for example, you're poly modeling, right? Usually. And if you're using ZBrush or 3D Coat, you're like voxel sculpting. Um, although I think ZBrush has their own internal system, but whatever. Um, so you're always using different methods. And one of the things that I've never used is CAD because CAD is really, really focused on like industrial designers mm. because it's precise um and it's a little bit like dry i suppose compared to other stuff you can't push it and pull it as much it's much more uh, mathematic i guess yeah um and so recently this program called plasticity came out i think they released it like two months ago and i got myself a copy um because it's really good price and it's you know an eternal license unless they sell it to maxon or something i guess <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah um how much is it is that is 99 dollars so for a full program, it's pretty that good. That is very cheap, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And for like ever? or is Yeah, yeah, forever, yeah. Wow. And free updates, Ooh, I think. Um, so it's, it's really good. I've really been enjoying it because it's essentially like a CAD for concept artists. Um, and one of the big advantages with CAD is, you know, like, for example, let's say that you just want to like put two objects together, like a circle and a square. Well, the great thing about CAD is when, once you join them, you can essentially blend them as like a seamless object. Mm. So when I stick a cylinder on the end of a cube, I can then fillet and bevel the whole <clears throat> connecting edges and make a seamless object. Whereas, you know, if you're doing that in Blender, you, it's going to be a whole thing where you like try to shrink wrap it or you're trying to use like fairly complicated like sub-D modeling techniques. And that's just a lot of hassle. So 
Yeah, I've added it into my workflow. I mean, it's really interesting because, um, you know, it's opened up a whole kind of new world of uh, shapes and stuff, which I think is really <laughs> cool. Because, you know, whenever you, I'm sure you guys have had it where you like pick up a new program and you're like, oh, now I can make something like this. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I tried to, I learned Fusion 360 a while ago and then I never came. I did one stuff with it, like uh, at work, like one project. Yeah. And unfortunately, I never used it afterwards. Just didn't find it like more superior to polymodeling, but um, also, but I've learned ZBrush recently as well. And that one, I really think was mm. just great. I think that's uh, ZBrush. Yeah. ZBrush is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that definitely, I did it, and I was like, okay, I can do so much more now that I couldn't mm -hmm. before. Um, yeah, I guess it's this thing. Every time you have a new software, uh, it takes a lot of work and time and experience mm. to get to the point where you feel comfortable with it to fit it in your uh, workflow, right? Yeah. And uh, I mean, plasticity seems amazing, and but like I guess for me to use it, it would mean that I need to do work which requires that kind of modeling, which I don't tend to do. Yeah. And but. But, or I would use it for one project. I would probably love it. And, yeah. But then it would be hard to keep doing it because it doesn't really... I, I, I can okay, see how okay. it fits with your work. No, but okay, so this is the interesting thing about it is you're saying... Because obviously, yeah, like, for example, ZBrush, it's very difficult to keep it on top of all your programs. You mm. know, like programs I don't use so much, like 3D code, where I use it for like very specific stuff. Sometimes I go back to it. I'm like, fuck, what's <laughs> the button for this? And All right, let's go on YouTube and yeah, let's learn again the whole thing. It's like, why why isn't this mesh dividing properly? And how do I export this again? You have all these problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that I, I feel like I should be getting sponsored by them, honestly. But plasticity is so fucking easy. It's really, really, really easy. Uh, there's people I know who, like, I would say generally are not the most 3D savvy people who've picked it up in like half an hour. It took me 20 minutes to learn the whole program. Well, nice. And it's because it's, Unlike something like Blender or ZBrush or 3D Coat, it's an extremely like piece specialist piece of software. Mm. So it really does like one thing, and it does that one thing really, 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 really well. Yeah. Um. So in terms of like like, there's nothing to lose or get confused about, which is mm. what makes it so sick. And I'm just I, I haven't got the chance to use it at work yet. Um. I, I oh no, I guess I have used it a little bit, but I'm just very excited to you know, have a new little thing under my tool belt, essentially. Yeah. Um, Next mech you have to design? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, Are you definitely using some of it? I don't I don't think I would build a whole model in there. Mm -hmm. But for example, you know, sometimes I'll be designing a mech, for example, and I'm like, oh, it'd be really nice if this knee plate seamlessly transitioned mm -hmm. into like this other section of the mech. And if I'm doing that in Blender, I'm like, okay, well, either I'm going to voxel model this so that it's just like, I can just like, use a smoothing brush and then you get all problems of voxel modeling or i'm going to have to go through a very complicated process of figuring out how to model this in blender or complicated for me i'm sure there's people listening who are like it's easy dipshit just put this 20 modifiers on top of yeah, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah just use the quad mushroom. yeah but in plus, this is so easy and nice. the other great thing is it's really low poly it doesn't like add weight to your scene it's actually more low poly than making in blender because does, you're using n-gons does it transfer as well to blender yeah and in the it new good. update yeah. yeah yeah very good nice. and in the new update they're literally building a bridge for blender oh that's good yeah that's yeah. one look of at, the best at, thing with yeah, zbrush yeah, as well. uh, with, with my the... zbrush setup i click one button it goes to blender and then I, i'm in blender i'm like ah oh. 
I click one button, it goes back to ZBrush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is just the yeah. Best. I haven't had that set up yet, but it takes I've like two minutes. Either, yeah. You can show us. It's just, I mean, no, I can't. I mean, I can tell you the YouTube videos because I would be. <laughs> I forgot how to do it. <laughs> I just press File Export. Yeah, yeah. Oh, too much effort. Too much effort. Although, um, if you want to export with all the textures and yeah, if you want to do placement map, you have to do it the old way. Yeah. Which still is very fine. I still get confused when I'm trying to export poly paint from ZBrush. That is forever infuriating when you're trying to like get the vertex color to work in the, oh, in the yeah. shader menu. Yeah. And sometimes well, it doesn't you, work. With, with the bridge, yeah. you don't. So you just export the. If I just click export to Blender, it exports and it it, it has the vertex paint. Oh, that's amazing. By default. Yeah, you yeah, don't have to cool. make set up any texture. I mean, then you can. You basically have this texture yeah. without UVs. Oh, no one loves UV. And then you just <laughs> do whatever you need. And it's very nice. Damn, I don't know that. I need to need to get on. Honestly, it would take you probably twenty minutes, right, even yeah, less, yeah. to set it up, and then it's instant. When I when I do more tasks in ZBrush, I don't know. I don't know if I can think of something coming up right now, but I'm sure that will be at some point. Mm -hmm. Anyway, long and short of it is plasticity. Please pay me to do a project <laughs> in your program. I'll advertise it very hard. Concept 101, 2024. Yeah. Sponsor, yeah, plasticity. Yeah, yeah. No, fuck that. Just pay me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, all right, yeah. that's the deal. Daniel does all the advertisements for you, and Stefan and me get some of the money for it. What? Amazing. <laughs> also, we don't get any money out of that's it. That's true, yeah. I, I would like some money, yeah. like in theory. But, I, I mean, does, do, do, do your, does your job pay you? I'm still doing it for... They just give me, like, food. Well, they told me I might get credit sometimes. Oh, okay, that's yeah. nice, yeah. yeah. And maybe once per I, year, I might upload one at work. Wow. Amazing. I heard I heard myth about royalties in games. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Wait, do you get paid at your job, though? No, no, we have free breakfast now. That's great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, free breakfast is good. That's good, because me, and, me and Jules have... have been feeling hungry lately, so maybe... <laughs> And we have a ping pong table as well. Oh. Yeah. Eating Before we get sued, this is a joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to summarize, yeah. Plasticity is great because it's like very friendly and useful. And uh, Sorry, friendly very and easy to use. Very concept art friendly. Extremely. Concept art translates well to Blender, so fits in the workflow. Yeah. And it answers some of the issues that Blender has. Not the issues, but yeah, some yeah. of the functioning that Blender doesn't have. If you want to do a tight model of something, I'd mm -hmm. really recommend it. Mm -hmm. I mean, just in terms of, um, I would love to get a prop design project at mm -hmm. work and to be able to use it for that. Because especially on a prop, you know, you're so much closer to a small object mm -hmm. and having those subtle transitions adds so much more kind of like love to the yeah, design. Yeah. So that's why I'm really, really looking forward to is a project like that where I can really push it to the limit of, I guess, what it should be used for. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, that's my thing. Just a short one for today, but... I mean, that's cool. That's great. I, th yeah. I think it's, it's always nice to discover new tools. It's yeah. it's one of the things that also keeps, I think, many artists motivated is yeah. just learning new stuff. There's always new things in the industry, bad or good. Yeah. Lots of lots of bad stuff lately. But this, <laughs> I think, is, is a good thing and it's nice to see it to kind of celebrate it and yeah, try yeah. it. And also this... <laughs> I wish we were sponsored, but that is a very good price. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, free would be better, but a hundred bucks for software. I mean, yeah. that's insanely, I mean, how much is ZBrush? I mean, how much is C4D? How much is all ZBrush those? ZBrush is like a hundred pounds a month. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> how much is Photoshop, you know? And I mean, uh, so yeah. Quid a month. Yeah. Yeah. So in five months, you're already like. Yeah, yeah. You could buy it. How about instead of, how about we just quit all our other software and we just use plasticity? I mean, our companies pay for a lot of our softwares. So. Well, that's nice. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, let's start with a new topic. 
and I would like to talk about something that I've discovered recently when uh, Daniel stormed into my room and was interested to see how I sketch. That is very unfair. You asked me yeah, to come I into did. your room to see how you sketch. <laughs> As Daniel does every morning, so, so he's like, actually, wake up! Wake up! <laughs> I shake him. <laughs> Time to wake up! I, I, I just finished breathing bad so I can see you like, Jesse! Jesse! <laughs> no, he's like David Goggins, who's gonna carry the logs? And about Stefan, you have to do it! <laughs> I'm like, okay, and I like wake up and like pick up my boat, my my boat. I mean, like my my bed, yeah. and then you become like, your boat. I become my boat. Yeah. Yeah. Stefan wakes up about two hours earlier than me every day, though. So oh well, uh, he actually very kindly goes back to sleep, so <laughs> I can like, wake him up. Time to pretend I'm asleep for yeah, Daniel. Yeah, yeah. It's all for my benefit. <laughs> so I I asked Daniel recently if he can help me out with sketching because I you know Daniel has quite a confident line weight when he uh, sketches in his sketchbook. Thank you. <laughs> and I um wanted to learn a little bit and I've improved since you know since I've been kind of living with Dan and observing how he sketches I've improved uh, in that sense but there was still like a lot <laughs> observing more observing the creature observing yeah, yeah. yeah that's how I that's how Dan I, wakes yeah, up yeah. every day at 8 a.m. after so a bowl of cereal <laughs> you sharpen his pen yeah. Yeah. I sharpen my pen after realizing it was the wrong thing, he sharpens, he sharpens the pencil. <laughs> Talking about that, Stefan did actually ask me recently how to sharpen a pencil. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, if one of us is doing that, it's him. It's <laughs> obviously by biting into it. Do you know what's crazy? I've never seen this done before. He was sh- And you said that someone recommended you do this, so this yeah. might be totally legit. But he was sharpening it with sandpaper. Yeah. Oof. That's, That's what I'm... S- no, nah, but it actually... I, I, I used to I, take a... Knife. Uh, yeah, a, a cutter, whatever yeah, yeah. it's called. And but so I, no, but I found basically that... I would, if I wanted specifically with this pencil, I want to get the edge really sharp. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does help with the sandpaper. So I would like, yeah. I would obviously cut it with the knife, and then it would help with the sandpaper just to get the edge even sharper. Yeah, he took one of my knives. Yeah, yeah, one of many knives that Daniel has. I do have a surprising amount of knives. Yeah, I just, I just sharpen my. We don't mean with, kitchen knife, with, with a butter knife. Sharp. Yeah, what just... are they called? You want? <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, I have a lot of scalpels. Yeah, you for have some like, reason. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah nice. Man. I don't know why. Chopping I don't remember things. buying them. Well, I mean, one scalpel per kill, right? You just have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've I've got them on a, all on a string line in my room. Yeah. You with, know, with, like with other, some with some fingers. You know, you just keep one fingers. Yeah. Where well, other people have fairy lights and Instagram photos, I have uh, scalpels and Instagram photos. <laughs> Dad, only with you guys. <laughs> so Daniel um, observed me sketch for a little bit, and he noticed that the way I hold my pen is different to the way he holds pen, and. So we kind of checked it out, and it's a little bit difficult to describe without showing it. But basically, I, think I could describe it. Essentially, you can say it. Yeah, you you Don't hold me. your pen. You hold your pen specifically in a grip that rotates. Like usually, when you hold a pen, if you I guess if you've done like a lot of ink drawing and stuff, you hold it in a very relaxed grip. You don't want your thumb to be tight around it. You don't want your fingers to be like tensing up because the tenser you are, the more kind of like jaggedy your lines often are because you're and you're putting too much pressure on the paper as well usually um whereas so so what stefan was doing was number one he 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 held he holds his pens in almost like a backwards grip so whilst most people hold their pen so that it like drops forward onto the page stefan was holding it in a rotated grip so that he had to press it onto the page so he's almost like holding his pen away from the paper which then also meant 
as he would do the line, his grip would get tenser and tenser and tenser. And you could tell because it would start off and you'd do this, like the page wouldn't be moving. And by the end of his lines, the pre- the paper would be like compressing back down <laughs> to the table. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So that made quite a bit of difference. And also, you know, the, I was relying on approve, uh, applying pressure, like a lot more pressure on the page to get the line thicker rather than like changing the angle of the pen, uh, oh, which yeah. which can, you know, mm-hmm. have similar effect. You still need to apply a little bit more pressure, but it also allows your hands, if it's more relaxed, you can move it around a bit better. And uh, yeah, so that was the first thing that we noticed. Second yeah. thing was about drawing a line and a continuous speed. Right? The second thing was I was holding the pen in the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> so I was drawing with the eraser. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Uh, there is no eraser from at a pen, but um, oh, yeah. that's not true. You can get ink I, erasers. I knew it was gonna say that. Though. Yeah, well, you shouldn't have said it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So the second thing was uh, to draw a line on a continuous speed, which does help with the line being consistent. Mm-hmm. Because if you draw a line faster at the beginning and slower at the start, or the other way around, fa- slower at the start and faster at the beginning, you the line could actually end up just, you know, be jaggedy and some points more than the others. So that also helps. It's interesting because you can increase and decrease your speed when you're drawing a line to create more of a sense of flow. Mm -hmm. But I think what was interesting was that Stefan would be drawing objects which were meant to be of the same consistency, like an ellipse. Mm. And what would happen was he would start off very slow and then get faster and faster and faster and faster. <laughs> so it's almost like a linear gradient of speed. Oh, yeah. And what was really interesting was actually once you changed your grip, we, you were like, okay, I'll draw an ellipse like twice and see which one is better. And you were drawing it with the like changed grip and you were like, this feels so wrong. You were like, I fucking hate this. And you drew this ellipse and we were like, that's pretty good. And you're like, okay, let me do it the way that I normally do it now. And even doing it in the way you're like, oh, this is much more comfortable, it was immediately obvious that the other one was actually yeah. like considerably nicer looking, which was kind of crazy to see that even even with the discomfort that it caused, you were already improving your line weight like almost quite dramatically. I hope that everyone is currently listening to it, listening to this with a pen in their hands, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so one thing, I, I think one of the reasons maybe why, why I have a certain grip when I'm used to like really... Uh, kind of having really tight grip is because my hands sweat a lot uh-huh. and I, I wonder if it comes from the fact that I'm af- like I'm, I'm afraid that the pen is going to fall out or something or like I need to hold it stronger mm. um, but they they don't I don't my hands don't sweat as much as they used to so it's not as big of a problem anymore yeah. especially when I sketch uh, it used to be a problem and yeah, so the line speed and then finally we're just discussing like when you are drawing a subject matter to kind of as you are drawing the line, like look at the subject and then like look at the line. Mm. And if you have a consistent speed of the line, it's a lot easier to kind of do this like, you know, looking at the thing they're drawing and then look at the the reference and then continuing until it's done. Um, yeah. I think people in art, uh, like, you know, who do like kind of like life drawing stuff, I, I've heard it referred to as like flickering. So what a lot of artists do is when they're drawing a subject matter, they will look at the subject matter, then look down at their sketchbook and draw it. So they're retaining the information in their head and trying to put it down on the page. Then they look up, then they look down and they draw again. Well, how would you, what would be the, So that, that seems obvious, no? What's the... No, no, no. But so what, like, essentially what you should be doing is flickering. So moving uh, your eyes up and down okay. constantly. So that as you're drawing the line, you're looking up at the reference and then you look back down on the paper yeah. to see how the line's yeah. going. And 
building enough confidence in your kind of motor skills to know that as you're looking yeah. in between and that you know where it's going you know where it's going exactly fair enough rather than so what I, i'm not saying obviously you have to look up and yeah. down but i think it's that thing of like <laughs> where yeah it, it, jules just like threw his head back in his chair but it, it's about um you know under moving at a, at a rhythm essentially rather than trying to retain the information in your oh, head yeah, in yeah. that in-between period some people i've seen like young artists look at a reference and then they won't look up for a solid 30 seconds to look at the reference oh again. wow yeah, yeah. So, they, so they're trying to remember it all. And then, obviously, as you're trying to remember it and put it down on the page because they're so concentrated mm. on the line oh. art, they forget what they're doing. And then when they look back up, it's wrong. Yeah. Oh, wait, there's not three arms. There's only yeah. two but arms. It, yeah, I mean, it does stand, I'm joking. I'm yeah. going to... It does stand from, yeah. from the confidence and, and no, the line. Yeah. You need to yeah. have that first. I mean, that's, that's definitely a very good tip. And I guess it's all about uh, practicing it. And yeah, maybe, course, yeah, I mean, yeah. we're doing this museum stuff where we... We go to museums with the concept one people and we just draw and stuff. I think this, this would be a great uh, yeah. place to get used to it. Yeah. And probably it would look like shit until it looks good. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm, yeah. It might just feel easier. Just you might feel easier to change your habits. I mean, changing your habit to the right ones, I guess, mm. might feel easier in terms of how you felt it was easier to make an ellipse. Yeah. But it might also feel wrong because you're not used to it. Yeah. And after time, yeah, you'll get used to it. Uh, I mean, I, I'm still, it's day two into practicing it. So, <laughs> it, you know, it's not going to be there yet. Um, and I would also just say, like, if you are, like, if you are worried that, like, you're not going to retain the information of the subject because you're, like, drawing this way, you know, if you draw a subject a few times from different angles and then you just try to, and you break it down into understanding, like, what are the shapes and stuff, and then you can try to draw it from memory, you know, that's the way you would retain it. So this this technique doesn't go against you learning how this how to draw this from memory. It just it helps you to draw it correctly the first few times you draw the subject mm-hmm. and like study the forms and shapes yeah. properly. I thought the most interesting thing about all of it, because me and Stefan had a pretty lengthy discussion, and by the end of it, we were like, whoa, it's so exciting and fun. It was like it was quite um it was kind of interesting watching someone change the physical mechanics of how they do something in mm-hmm. a way and like trying to analyze maybe what was slightly going wrong with it in a way because you know it's very subtle like stuff but it, it really kind of like nailed down for me like how important obviously the mental capacity of doing concept art or just art in general is right but also the like motor neuron functions that you mm-hmm. build up over mm-hmm. time with practice i mean i'm sure you guys remember like when you started using a whack and board if you were used to drawing on paper it feels like you're drawing on a fucking ice rink you mm-hmm. know and your hands sliding everywhere and even you know on like an intuos you are drawing on the oh, intuos yeah. while you look at your screen i mean it's bizarre but it, it's um you know it's a really big part of i guess being an artist is fine tuning those motor neuron skills so for example when you're doing line art you feel confident drawing the line because if you don't it gets jagged and it looks funky and then you have to do it, multiple it, lines. Probably actually gets overlooked. Like, I guess we all think about fundamentals and all that, yeah. but the physical technique that we're talking about right now probably mm. gets overlooked all the time. And yeah, yeah. Like, I guess, I don't know, uh, if you go to a course about fundamentals, maybe there's, I guess, one page about how to hold a pen. Or maybe yeah. none. I don't know. I haven't done too many. I, I never, I mean, I've never learned yeah. this until and I, it, Dan told me so. Yeah. And <laughs> I guess it's, it's actually very important. Yeah. Mm. And like, what's... Uh, you know, also thing that I found quite important and I've noticed, I, I've 
been drawing with a pen for a while now, maybe a year or something, just trying to not draw with pencil. And I started, I drew with pencil recently to do some architectural studies. And I noticed that because of my confidence in lines, my, my pencil drawing got better because mm. now I would be okay with just drawing like nice straight lines you know, with a pencil rather than trying to draw a multiple jagged line yeah. to get the line done. You know, I'll just draw the straight lines where I need it to be straight and then the design would be readable all of a sudden, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's these things that can translate back and forth if you, you know, that you wouldn't even think of, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. In To give credit to somebody who has kind of addressed this stuff, like Scott Robertson I'm in front of How to Draw, mm -hmm. he lists out a bunch of exercises for practicing your line weight and stuff like that. So, for example, you draw two dots on a piece of A4 paper and then you try and draw a straight line in between them. Yeah. And, you know, building up that kind of thing, understanding, for example, that like with certain types of lines, you don't want to move your hand, you have to move your yeah, elbow, yeah, right? Your shoulder, yeah, you have to use your shoulder with different types of, and blah, blah, blah. So it it is... um. Yeah, you're right. It is totally overlooked, but it's very interesting. And, you know, if you're somebody who's listening to this and you're thinking like, oh, I feel like my line art doesn't look that comfortable, you know, look up different things to practice it. It's not, I mean, number one, of course, it's just like repetition and doing it, but doing like straight line exercises or doing curve exercises mm. where you put like three point three mm -hmm. dots on a page and then you try to create a functional curve between them. It's all really, really good. Even just drawing ellipses. I think that's a really big thing that a lot of people... Um, miss out on mm -hmm. when they haven't learned perspective because I think you can learn perspective pretty well for drawing like kind of boxy shapes without ever having technically learned perspective right because it's very simple stuff but it is so obvious when someone doesn't know perspective and they try to draw an ellipse because an ellipse has to look pretty fucking close mm -hmm. to perfect mm -hmm. to look good yeah. Um, but yeah and also just to on, on this note of like talking about functional mechanics of stuff um, I've seen do you guys do any stuff to maintain your functional mechanics? Like, you know, it's concept art and is a job where you're drawing all day. You know, do you, have you ever experienced things like, you know, wrist pain and stuff like that? I think luckily I almost never did. I don't yeah. have any pain. I, so I started as a freelance artist, right? Which means that you have, uh, you, you, you can buy yourself stuff as your company. And yeah. And so I, I was like, you know what, if I'm going to spend my life sat on a chair, I might as well buy myself a very nice chair. Yeah. So I, I, I got myself uh, Erman Miller, which... Uh, He's sitting in right now. Yeah, which I'm very cocky about. <laughs> no, I, I, no. I, I, I got convinced and I bought yeah, one Yeah, and well. I, I got him into buying one. Next 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 name on the list is Daniel. I have a piano school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dan hasn't uh, had the confidence to buy it yet. It's like, you know, I, I figured out your health is pretty much the most important thing in life because yeah. if you don't have it, you die. <laughs> and <laughs> right? Wow, I mean, wise words. Yeah, wise words. That's going to be on my gravestones. <laughs> that, would, that would be ironic to have on a gravestone. Anyway. And, I'll tell you um, a funny gravestone. There's a, there's a famous Irish comedian called uh, Spike Lee, I think. Mm -hmm. Spike? Yeah, I think so. And on he was like a very famous um, hypochondriac. Oh, yeah. And on his gravestone, it says, I told you I was sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Damn. that's great. Um, but yeah, so I guess it's, I'm, I'm trying to not wait for the room to, uh, to appear and just get, like, get yeah, before yeah. them. And I guess, yeah, luckily I don't have any back problems. I don't have any hand problems or anything. We're all quite so young far. though, so they could yeah. be like a year away. Yeah. 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 Just, just wait for the, for like, like five years of like, holy shit, man. I didn't sleep. 
<laughs> it's all like an accumulation, right? Yeah. So like if you sometimes if you your parents love that, we would think, oh yeah, it's because I did this random thing. It's nah, probably just you've been sitting in a shitty position. I used True. to sit with my legs crossed uh, over or like just in a weird position for my mm. knees. And then I would get knee pains. And I'd be like, oh, mm. fuck, why do I have this knee pain? What is happening? And then I, like, observed myself. And I realized that I would sit with my, with my, one of my uh, feet under, uh, like, under my ass, basically. I don't know how to explain oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, like, just one of my, one of my foot. And, th- yeah, that would cause me knee pain. And then I was like, okay, I can't sit like that anymore. Because I'm just going to have knee pain all the time. I have a little bit of elbow pain because I sit with my elbows bent all day. Do you know what I mean? Like, at the desk. You know, oh, I have, yeah. Like, so I, I sometimes have like quite bad elbow pain, which I think is also to do with when I used to work out a lot and I would really overdo it on like bench and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I think I have some kind of problems from that. But yeah, I, I think because my elbows are bent all the time, I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, my, my arms kind of, you know, yeah, they yeah. like tense up almost at like the joint. Yeah. So when I go to sleep, I purposely like stretch out my arms as far <laughs> as possible into like almost like a uh, over leveraged position yeah. so that I'm like at least they'll be straight while I sleep. <laughs> my bed. Yeah. I, I guess when I draw like really press uh, and I do line art on Wacom, I would sometimes experience a little bit of pain in my wrist. But one good tip is to just uh, go into the Wacom tablet properties and decrease the sensitivity, like increase mm. the sensitivity. Oh, actually. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, so the pen pressure, so you don't have to press as hard. And especially, I think I don't think it's I don't like it when I paint because when I paint, I like to have as much as much control as I can, and I like to like press soft and hard. But when I do line art, I like to have very soft touch means already fairly strong line and then if i really if i touch even slightly stronger then it's even more confident oh, line. Well. That's, and, I, that's, and that's yeah. that way i don't get advice, really yeah. that much pain that's very good because yeah. then you don't you don't put pressure on your wrist yeah, by yeah, gripping yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway you um something i noticed that would cause me problem in the past is yeah. that i used to have a, a small cintiq but it was laying at a very low angle on my desk yeah so i would I would tend to, if I would use Cintiq as, in t- as it's t- intended to be used for, I would bend over yeah. and draw, which yeah. caused me a lot of, I guess, just discomfort and maybe pain a bit. And, but then I would I would almost never use Cintiq as intended. I would just turn it off and just use it as an in- Intuos. <laughs> so I, I would look at my monitor in front of me, just yeah. use it as an Intuos, mm-hmm. and then I would just stand, uh, sit straight and it would be great. Yeah. But recently I got myself a much bigger Cintiq. Mm. In, which is on an arm, right? Yeah. So I just get it in front of me here, like uh, on the side, let's say, and I get I rest this uh, my my elbow on my chair, and I just draw like this. Yeah. And it's like perfect, and I'm sitting straight. It's like on a forty-five degree, maybe mm-hmm. sixty degree angle, and I and it's great because I can use my old mm-hmm. arm to draw. You need to show me because I might be able to get replicate that setup. And it's yeah because before. I guess just by it just makes my posture great by default. I can't mm-hmm. I can't be like. Uh, crunched yeah. over and, and drawing at the same yeah, time it doesn't work and even sometimes <laughs> I use this one which is a big Cintiq as an Intuos yeah. uh, because I just like looking straight because and you have your arm all the way to the yeah. right side that, See, I will that, say, that would be on my shoulder I, I, had, I had that set up at work and it actually did cause me a bit of pain being that position. the one I have yeah oh yeah because i had to rotate oh yeah i like everything well, I, lined up in front of each other yeah. maybe if yeah. i could have like a monitor that was really high up almost yeah but. well i guess if i draw my cintiq i'll, I'll just turn mine yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. um but i mean i think yeah what you're saying is is really good to you know don't 
but I'm not. I mean, it would be great if you go to the gym every day. Uh, I don't because I'm a lazy bastard. But at, le- at the very least, be aware of your health. Like, I think it's great to. I do like wrist warm ups in the morning a lot um, because I feel like my wrists get a bit tense. So I'll like stretch my wrists. And if I'm like traveling, even and I just have nothing to do, I will stretch my wrists and I'll kind of stretch through my fingers. Yeah. I'll kind of like pop on my joints just to make sure that at some point in the day, I, you know, that's happening. And like, even when I'm on the tube, I pretty much never sit on the tube because I'm sitting all day at work. Oh, so enough. like, sometimes I go downstairs, stuff, and I can count to this, and I will walk around eating my dinner mm. because I'm like, okay, I have to go back upstairs and I need to do this painting or I need to do this piece of Photoshop for the event or whatever. So I'm going, I take as much time as possible when I don't have to be sitting, to yeah. not be sitting. It's, it's good to get up, stretch a bit, even yeah. when you work. Like, your painting can be fine if you leave your desk for one minute, I think. Go to Stefan's room, give uh, him a hug, yeah. shake take him the, a bit. Take yeah. one of your mini cutters you have as a as a decoration yeah, yeah. in your... Stab it on his desk is like a vague threat. Yeah. yeah, it's great. That's not bad. And then correct how he holds his pen. And then fuck off. Um, yeah, cool. I mean, anything else that you guys? No, I, I hope episode? this new kind of different style, style and uh, structure was good. If you have any other ideas or stuff you'd like us to talk about or any questions, feel free to drop it in the comments because yeah. we might do an FAQ or that kind of stuff in the future. Yeah. Or if you have an amazing idea, we might use it for next podcast. And if you don't like this new format, get used to it. We're not changing it. <laughs> this is it now. <laughs> it is what it we is. We like this format. <laughs> you. You can always you come to the it's... event and confront us. <laughs> yeah. And just know that Dan will have all these cutters with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's, uh, it's, you never know what's going to come up, right? <laughs> You're always interested on the edge. What is the next topic? <laughs> Dan is looking like, I'm so confused why you just said that. Next podcast is going to be about Barbie, guys. Oh, I love to talk about Barbie. Yeah. Great are you, movie. Are you, yeah, great are movie. you Yes, that'll be the end for the episode. <laughs> we really hope you enjoyed listening. And if you want more, please feel free to subscribe. We release episodes every two weeks. And if you want any more additional information about the podcast or the event, be sure to check out our Instagram linked in the description below. Thanks again. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye, guys. See you.